the best, the worst of the TV season, part two. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. welcome hey and mo walker welcome happy to be here with y'all well we recorded part one of our best and worst of the tv season which covers september when the shows start premiering through early may when their seasons wrap and we got through that's cold captain cold the cutthroat character of the season and so now we're going to dive into what may be the biggest categories of the TV season. Kicking things off, the Sansa Stark Award, otherwise known as the best character of the season, Mel. How did Sansa, how did this category get named after Sansa Stark? Because <laughs> Sansa Stark was the best character of Game of Thrones, and I have owned this podcast. Okay. All right then. Well, mine is a character talked about on the previous podcast. I just had her in a different category. It is Miss Angela Abar, Sister Knight, as played by the fantastic Regina King y'all this character was everything okay she had a family she was doing the mom thing but don't get it twisted okay she has an alter ego sister knight who will kick your ass it's going to happen don't even try it with her I also loved this character as Angela Abar because she you come into her life and it's kind of in turmoil, you know? She she figures out she she has this relative, she has a grandfather who was part of the Tulsa Race Massacre. And she's trying to put all of that together, all the while fighting all of these creatures and things that she doesn't necessarily know what to do with. So it was always great to see her try and be a regular person and be a superhero all at the same time, trying to save everyone, and she couldn't quite do it. That is totally realistic in a sense of trying to do everything and trying to be everything, but you just can't do it. So, and of course, it's Regina King, who, like I said, is fantastic and amazing. So, uh, sh- that character really stuck with me. I'm, I really hope they can find a way to have the show come back, even if it's just for a special or anything. It kind of seems like everybody wants to be done, but I'm not ready for it to be over. So, Regina King. Damn. My name is Oliver Queen. After eight years, you watched my show, and I came back to my city with one goal, to save... Well, I I got that wrong. But anyways, yeah, no, I got Oliver Queen. Uh, So this year was a true love letter to everything we've experienced over the past eight years. And for me to pick anyone else would be really disingenuous to who I am, just like who I've been like just talking about this show. So I, I just, I had to pick him. Uh, it was a really great year for him in terms of getting to experience all of these important stages of his life with all of these important people, revisiting the Island, revisiting Moira, revisiting shadow, revisiting 
Roy and uh, his relationship with John and uh, Felicity and meeting his daughter and reconnecting with his son only on an adult level, being there for him to come out to him. I've, all of these important moments all culminated with him literally saving the universe and restarting existence as we know it. There hasn't been a better character this year. Okay, Mo, the Sansa Stark Award, otherwise known as the best character of the season, who'd you have? I have Baby Yoda from The Mandalorian. That's good. It's sneaky. And Well, because Baby Yoda would be the equivalent of a Sansa Stark. This is true. This is true. So, she I mean, except into, one of these it, characters is actually good. It matures into oh. its powers. <laughs> well, yeah, I will. I will say, you know, there is definitely that 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 stage of, of maturation. Um, I also have to say, is you're going again uh, from Sansa was a very passive character. Things happened to her, and then as Game of Thrones progressed. She became a bit more of a reactive or, or a character who tried to take, and I do emphasize the word "try" to take control of her situation because she really didn't get get that to like you know the last couple seasons where she really was at the height of her powers. And I have to say, I feel like Baby Yoda had a similar arc, though we're just you know scratching the surface of what Baby Yoda is capable of, but. I like to say that, you know, at the beginning of the season, Baby Yoda was, you know, was very helpless, really needed Mando to do a lot of things for uh, for him. Um, assuming, of course, that, you know, Baby Yoda is 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 a male, you know, in terms of gender. But uh, anyway, um, but I, I think as the season progressed, Baby Yoda, you know, in, in terms of Baby Yoda's powers, just having a bit more understanding, a little bit more control. Um certainly willing to sacrifice himself to save others. Uh, I, I think that that character had a, 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 a nice little arc and kind of like set up some things and sort of cemented that relationship between Mando and baby Yoda at the, at the end of the season. And uh, we'll see what happens next. My pick for the Sansa Stark award, otherwise known as the best character of the season goes to Lyra on His Dark Materials, portrayed by Daphne Keene. Daphne Keene did an amazing job depicting a character who starts out almost as an orphan, discovers that her uncle is really her father, and that her mother is trying to do awful, terrible things to both her and other children in her orbit, and the way that she goes through those episodes, Mo mentioned on the last episode, <clears throat> excuse me, Ruth Wilson as Mrs. Coulter. And I, and she was phenomenal. She's actually who I have for the next category coming up. But the two of them playing opposite of each other brought out the best in each other. And it they were phenomenal performances. But mine is going to Lyra, portrayed by Daphne Keene. Which brings us to the category that I renamed after my pick, the Mrs. Coulter Villainary Award, Best Villain of the Season, which my pick is Ruth Wilson as Mrs. Coulter on His Dark Materials, 
for many of the reasons that Mo pointed out under the cutthroat character. She was brilliant. She reminded me of, um, is it Mrs. Smith on Lost in Space? But in fantasy, as opposed to science fiction. She did an amazing job. She would pivot between this seething beneath the surface anger to this unleashed rage in from one moment to the next. And it never felt mustache twirly. It never felt over the top. All of it felt in character. You watched the you walked the edge of her behavior and her feelings and her emotions with her as she was going through it. When she went and took one of the other characters who had a small little songbird as its demon, Damon, um, and then just killed it in her hand by crunching it and watching the person who was sitting in the cab next to her die powerful 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 stuff so for me the mrs coulter villainy award aka best villain of the season goes to ruth wilson as mrs coulter mel who do you have for the best villain of the season general sarah alder on motherland fort salem so this is the general of our witch forces who we see a little bit in the beginning, and you kind of just think that she's your normal general in charge, you know, a little stern, but it is what it is. But then they start dropping hints of who she actually is in the show. You learn that she is, what, 400, 500 years old, but she still looks she's, looks like she's about, I don't know, maybe 45 or so. So you're like, hmm, that's interesting. But, you know, there's older witches, a part of the show so why isn't she aging what's going on here then comes to find out that she's got everyone working under her thumb whether they like it or not okay she's put these things in place to where she is not leaving she is breaking all kinds of rules you know she was supposed to lose her job and she decided she wasn't doing that so she did a secret spell to cloak the president to say that, hey, I'm not going anywhere and nobody really realizes what's going on, what's happening. And the character will be back as a full-time character for season two. So I'm excited. Mo? Um, I'm going to go with Gravedigger. Ooh, good one. It's portrayed by Wayne Brady on Black Lightning. Ooh, uh, for those of you who guest. are familiar with Wayne Brady, um, you know he in other in other media when he was when he was announced as getting as um, getting this role, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect, and I have to say that the actor really sold me on his portrayal as. One of Black Lightning Season 3's main villains. And why I enjoyed uh, Gravedigger as his villain so much is because of how he was able to sway you. And if he wasn't able to sway you, he was going to beat the shit out of you. And that's literally what happened. He didn't care if when he found out the Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning was his, um, was his descendant, like, uh, uh, well, not great, descendant, but yeah, great family they were family yeah he, yeah he was like his great uncle, uh right? great uncle yeah he was his great uncle yeah jefferson's his great uncle and i mean his 
yeah, his great nephew, and he didn't care. You know, it was Gravedigger's way, or you were just going to be put in the ground. Um, he gave this very stirring speech about, you know, being exploited as a black man by the United States, how he wanted to take his power back. And you can understand that. Um, I feel like uh, we got some shades of what we got in um, uh, from from Kill um, from Killmonger and um, Black Panther, and I really think that um, I, I I'm glad that uh, Gravedigger will be coming will hopefully be coming back in the next season of Black Lightning because I think there's a lot more there to explore in, in terms of a character. He was just he it was just there in in, in terms of. Wayne Brady, um, the physicality that he brought in the role. I mean, when he got into those fights, they felt like really st- well-staged fights. I mean, it's just Someone as if... Someone had been you know, working out. Correct. Yeah, I, I I really have to give kudos to Gravedigger. I mean... Uh, Good pick. Easily one of my favorite bel- villains, yeah. Dan... The Mrs. Coulter Villainy Award, a.k.a. Best Villain of the Season. Who'd you pick? Dolores Abernathy. I can't think of a single show where, since Game of Thrones at the very least, where um, the events of a previous season, like, you... You didn't know the writing was on the wall and the plans were in place to head this direction because you didn't know what the direction was and suddenly you're there and suddenly you realize she has she's in control of the entire board and is just moving people to her will. I, I'm the way she was able to manipulate Caleb and the way she had been playing Bernard for so long. It, it's truly, truly just awe-inspiring the way she went about things. Now, she didn't plan on the investors to really fight back, but she had so many other pieces in place that it didn't even matter until the very end. And it just... I, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of her moving forward, but... She alone makes Westworld a show worth watching. I'm so glad you mentioned the name of the show because I was assuming that's who you were talking about, but I didn't recognize any of the names that you were talking about. So I was like, I'm going to have to bring this up in case there are listeners who are equally in the dark. So that was from Westworld. Okay. So the next category is an optional category, which means that it people could choose to do it or they could choose not to do it. This year, we're calling it the I'm late, I'm late for a very important show. Basically, what this means is if there was a season, if there was a show that aired during the previous season, so so basically 2018 to 2019, and you only started watching it during the last season, what did you think? So for me, this was Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol on HBO Max is nuts. And yet it is amazing and it's heartfelt and the actors on it are standout. If you have not watched Doom Patrol on HBO Max, the second season just premiered. So you can literally binge the entire first season 
and HBO Max is giving like a free first week. So if you're like me in Arizona where uh, we have the worst stats in the country at the moment and you need to stay home, it, Doom Patrol might be a good pick. So going around the circle real quick, Mel, did you pick anything for I'm late? I'm late for a very important show. Well, Luke, we get to be twins here because I also picked Doom Patrol. I had a chance to catch up with it over this past holiday weekend, and you are correct. It is absolutely fantastic. I have to give a shout-out to Diane Guerrero, who plays 64 different characters. Yes! She's amazing. Like, amazing. I I had no idea. And I watched her on Orange is the New Black, and I always thought she was a decent actress. I had no idea she had all of this in there. Like... I, she is great. After I watched Doom Patrol, I felt so bad for not having watched the first season when it aired. Because mm-hmm. if it had, my year-end picks last year would have been completely <laughs> reorganized. I was like, no. it was that good, but I would have had to have gone yes. back and reorganized all my picks. Yes. It's, it's a great show. I mean, to make you feel emotions for a robot, I think that takes a lot of talent and it's a show like you said it is crazy it's off the wall you You never know what's gonna happen to make you feel emotions for a teleporting street (laughs) danny (laughs) it's great so if anybody has a chance to catch up with that one i would absolutely recommend it mo did you have any picks for i'm late i'm late for a very important show yeah, I did. Um, and that would be The Boys from Amazon. Um, Ooh, I'm curious when, about this. I, so, I, you know, I, it, it, if you are familiar with the property, it is based on a comic book um, that was uh, published by, originally it was published by DC Comics, but it was so graphic for them that they, they could not publish it after a few issues. So it went to Di- uh, Dynamite and it was written by a name, guy named Garth Ennis and art was by a gentleman named uh, Derek Robertson. So if you are familiar with the boys, it is, you know, of a sort of evil justice league that exploits their powers for hedonistic ways. Um, and, and from what I understand, the boys, they had to sanitize it a little bit for television. From the comic <laughs> Yeah, but I mean it. Not not a whole lot. Okay. I mean, it, I heard just, how graphic it was, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm never watching this show. But I'm glad that you're saying it's good. It's good. It's much better because I, I for one, am not a big fan of the comic writer Garth Garth. In. He's just never written a whole lot that's that's worked for me. But what I think. What works for in terms of the boys' television show is the violence is over the top. I mean, you literally have people sticking bombs in folks' asses and then and then causing them to explode. Um, that is the level of, of the graphic nature of this show. But what sells it, Carl Urban, okay, um, and you, Mr. Judge Dredd, um. Mr. McCoy, I mean, yeah, yeah, he was uh, uh, Bones on, on Star Trek, and um, he sells the lead, Billy Butcher, and Billy Butcher is 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 a, he's he's worse than Constantine, 
if you can believe how in terms of manipulating characters and that the character Huey who kind of, you know, is at this point where he needs something in his life. And I get that, you know, because when we tap into, like, the backstory of these characters and humanize them and you you understand why they want to go after the Seven, who are the Justice League analog in this show, it makes you feel feel for these characters. I love the way how the season ended. Ended on a really good interest in Cliffhanger. Uh, season 2, if I understand correctly, is coming very soon. Um, they're going to be adding even more characters. Um, you know, and again, this show is not for the faint. So, um, yeah, if, I if won't you be watching. Like, yeah, if you don't like a lot of limbs and just, I mean, just, just, n- the, the nastiest deaths imagine you're going to get in this show. Um, okay. But I can't recommend it more. Uh, I, can, I definitely can recommend this show, though. Dan, I'm late. I'm late for a very important show. Did you have anything for this pick category? I had one, but I'm not fully caught up uh, because the final season hasn't dropped on Netflix yet, but has already aired. I'm talking about Shit's Creek. Okay. Uh, yes. I, I, I caught up on that during COVID too. That and Frankie and uh, crap. I can't think of it. Grace. Grace. Thank Grace and Frankie. Thank you. I loved Shit's Creek so much. I thought it was one of the funniest shows. The amount that they could do and how clever they can be with these characters that are all just despic like on certain levels are are not people that you would like want to befriend, but then by the end, you're just, you're, you're so attached to them and you love David and you love, uh, Moira and you love, uh, Johnny and you love Alexis and Patrick and Stevie. And I just, there, if they were so good, I, I, I just really enjoyed it. I, I got, ended up getting a shirt, that says I love that journey for you um, in honor of the show, just because of how much I enjoy it. And it's got like an Alexis sun hat on it. It's kind of cool. Okay. But yeah. That brings us to the best series or season finale of the TV season. Mo, what do you have? Well, I have a tie actually. Uh oh. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, you have failed this city. <laughs> well, that's ironic that you did bring up you have failed this city because that is one of the shows that uh, I, I chose as having a spectacular uh, series finale, and that's Arrow. I thought that overall the final season of Arrow was one of its strongest. Um, a, a, a nice retrospective on the show's history and the characters and so forth. But what we got in that final episode uh, post-crisis, post the uh, pilot for the Green Arrow and the Canary show, if that ever comes to, if that ever ends up coming um is this nice epithet this eulogy to oliver queen to to the show as a whole to his extended family whether it was barry you know we got sarah 
and and really it was just a it was awake literally that whole episode was awake and it felt not just awake for Oliver Queen but awake for the show Arrow and and it just gave me all kinds of feelings about you know that first time where we we heard uh Oliver Queen say you have failed the city um the second show I have to go with is it also ended it's it's uh, run uh, earlier in, in 2020, and that's The Magicians from Sci-Fi. And you know, Luke and I have talked about The Magicians uh, a number of times on the podcast, and this was a very different season because it was the post-Quentin season. And I wasn't really sure how it was going to work without Quentin, and I felt for a good portion of this final season that it was somewhat down and but once sci-fi announced that this was the final season it just something i don't know if it was just something within me or something with or just what they had coming up in the show it just seemed like it kept building this momentum and just becoming more wilder and if you've read the books you know how uh where, where they where they take things with the magical kingdom of fillery and it all just comes together and really lands and it makes this very poignant um it ends very poignantly talking about this new world that they've created and yet there there are all these new adventures that these characters could explore it, it, it like arrow it just it just really got to me because i've been going on this journey with these characters for, for five seasons on the magicians and there was still a lot more adventures to come um so i so those are my picks uh, Arrow and the Magician. So I think what you just did, just purely making an educated guess, is you had a tie, and you split Dan's and mine, because I have the Magicians, <laughs> and Dan, if Dan doesn't have the Arrow, I will doesn't have the Arrow finale. I will be Dan. You have failed this podcast because it would be so out of character. So Dan, what do you have as the best series or season finale? I'm being peer pressured into changing my option, but the more Mo talked about it, the more that I was like, ah, oh, I need to go with Arrow. Wait, I you to... didn't pick Arrow's series finale? I I am picking it. Whoa, ultimately. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What I, is on I'm your sheet of paper before <laughs> my before Mo started I'm calling talking? Calling an Audible online. Audible online is where you can find. No, I'm just I'm no free ads. Uh, <laughs> What but did yes. you have before Mo started talking, no. Dan? No, I'm calling. Uh, no, okay. If I had Future Man because the oh finale. My God. I'm so disappointed. The you finale was really you good. You put me through but... all of the Arrow, all of these seasons, and then you did pick the Arrow finale. I okay. Here's the things about the Arrow finale that I didn't like, because other than that, it was perfect. I wasn't a huge fan of William being in danger. I feel like we didn't need that. I also was like, the heck's going on with Laurel? Why can't we get real Laurel back instead of Earth 2 Laurel? This is garbage. Um, you know, what's the deal with... Um, I they, they had a big snafu when it came to shooting, and I understand why they couldn't get uh, Katrina Law... Uh, when they did, but when she came in, it sort of felt a little rushed, like, like 
we didn't devote enough time to this whole dynamic that that was going on. Uh, you know, I basically I needed like an hour and a half, and they only gave an hour, which is fine. Like I get that. Uh, not everything's going to be timeless, uh, but it, it just you I heard it I, here first, folks. Dan betrayed Arrow in favor of Future Man. I am picking Arrow now, Luke Kerr. <laughs> I called an audible. I ended up throwing hail mary. There's a touchdown in the end zone. So what? Okay, wh- Mel, what do you have as best series or season finale? Well, I originally had The Mandalorian, but I've already kind of talked about that in the previous podcast because the droid saving everyone is also the season finale. So, But Luke, you said something earlier that made me think about a show that I forgot about, and that's Lost in Space. So, of course, now I have to change my pick. So now it's Lost in Space the uh, season finale of that show. It had a really great season two. No sophomore slump anywhere in sight. And in this final episode of the season, you know, the kids are in trouble. They're trying to escape. There's a whole robot war going on. They've been separated from the parents who are also trying to save them. And they managed to get away. They are taken away by our favorite robot, um, Danger Will Robinson robot. So... They get away, but you don't exactly know what's going on with the parents. And then there's all kinds of mutinies going on. It, it was a really strong season finale. It made you want more. Netflix did announce that it's coming back for a season three, but it will be the last season, which kind of really breaks my heart. And you'll finally get a little bit more background on um, Judy, who is the oldest daughter. So I'm excited, but I had to give Lost of Space some props. I sort of feel like Netflix, and this is just as an aside, is sort of creating this formula of it's expensive, beautiful looking shows never last more than four seasons. It will mm-hmm. let other things like animation and things run for long, long seasons. But if you look at the Marvel shows, if you look at <clears throat> Lost in Space, if you look at Sabrina, all of these shows are not really making it most of them are not making it to four, past four seasons if they make it to four seasons. My best series finale is The Magicians. Mo actually alluded to it. Mo and I uh, recorded a podcast about the finale of uh, The Magicians, which due to COVID and various other things, life sort of got in the way and I didn't have a chance to edit it. So I'm actually going to be going back and editing it and it's going to just sort of be like a time capsule episode of us discussing it. I think that's the episode where we also discuss the show that's going to be on my worst show of the season. But The Magicians had an amazing final season the final episode, how they brought it all together was so poignant and so perfect for the magicians. If you have not watched this series for me as someone who didn't had never read the books and went into it way back when it premiered initially, the first season was pretty graphic and I almost didn't stick with it because of it, but it ended up being an amazing series where each of those characters, with the possible exception of Alice, had immense character growth. 
Alice had some character growth, but it wasn't on the scale as, say, Elliot or the uh, some of the others. And so if you have an opportunity to watch it if on Netflix and binge it, I would highly recommend watching The Magicians. The best new show of the season, for me, I... If Katie Keene hadn't been canceled, that would have been my pick. But the other show that I just adored this season was Nancy Drew on The CW. It was a show I did not know I needed, and it took me by surprise. Everything that I knew about Nancy Drew um, from, like, the book series was, it was a detective mystery thing. So I was expecting that. What I was not expecting was the significant supernatural element that the show has. And I was thoroughly impressed. It's got a strong cast. It's a great show. If you haven't checked it out, definitely give it a try. Uh, Dan, what do you have for the best new show of the season? I got The Mandalorian. Okay. I was a big fan of The Mandalorian. Uh, I went in... Not really knowing what to expect. I was like, is this a Boba Fett show? Like, what's what's the deal? Uh, but then the more we got to learn about the Mandalorian, uh, or Mando, as he's called, or, you know, Carl Weathers yells, Mando! Uh, that always that always made me laugh. Carl Weathers was fantastic in it. Um, all, all of the characters are incredibly strong. We've already talked about uh, on a previous podcast about baby Yoda and how, what an impact he's made. So I won't go into that or he or she is made, uh, but I won't go into that too much. Um, but it was just a great signature start for Disney plus. Now, if they could figure out the rest of their programming aside from Hamilton, that would be great. Mo. I have to go with HBO's The Watchmen. Um, it's very, it was a very timely show. I mean, and again, this is a show that came out back in October, November of last year. But the issues that they're talking about are still with 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 the the mainstream with mainstream society. I mean, we're still talking about those issues that they they debated in this show. Um, it's very topical. I think as a superhero fan, I think it it take, took an impossible task. If you're familiar with the Watchmen comic book series, um, it was it's it's still in print. It's this um, epic story. Who would have thought that you know this more or less sequel to this comic series? Okay, can not only tackle race policing superheroics it gives us this powerful couple um it, it it also you know has fun with this world of costumes and so forth um it does a lot in terms of, of talking about um generational trauma who a, a superhero show that talks about generational trauma in which the lead character and just a memory pill of their grandfather and then relives his life more or less in his skin. And just cinematically, it, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, I, I, if you haven't watched Watchmen, you definitely need to watch it. Uh, Mel, best new show of the season. 
Motherland, Fort Salem on Freeform. This was an all original show. Like there wasn't source material for, you know, Star Wars has is Mandalorian. Watchmen is the comics. I'm not saying the shows aren't great because they are, but they had something to work with. This one didn't. This one is all brand new. And I absolutely loved it. It is the show that caught me by surprise this season. I admittedly watched it on Hulu because I could never figure out what night it came on, but I was always there on Hulu watching the show looking for new episodes. I think it's great. The the concept of, you know, having witches being the military and they have their own special language and most of it is through you know their vocal cords of how they control their powers and i i really just loved everything about it i think the characters were strong you know there's a there's a little bit of uh, there but we can overlook it just for the sheer content of the show i really enjoyed everything i saw from it was so excited to see that it'll be back for a season two. So, Motherland, Fort Salem. And the bl- the blue balloons were creepy as... <laughs> and it's supposed to be. Because this is about witches. That's true. Worst show of the season, Dan. Judging by uh, the previous podcast and what I was talking about there, this should not be a shocker to anyone. It's Supergirl. I'm sorry. I I almost gave this to The Flash because I I had a lot of problems with this season of The Flash as well, but not nearly as many as Supergirl. Supergirl, the uh, the whole virtual reality subplot was like it was like a snooze fest amid like all of these jumbled characters. I I just I couldn't figure out how they were quite tying everything together and it they had so many ways of like correcting the ship and then every time i thought maybe they'll correct the ship they gave alex another angsty episode and so it just it really just hammered home the point that this this year was a little bit of a mess for cw shows uh, it, it might have struggled a little bit due to crisis and how much of an impact crisis had on literally everything. Um, but it doesn't excuse, like, I still liked a lot of legends, not, not a ton, but like a, enough. Uh, I liked Air, arrow was fantastic. Black lightning was Superb. incredible. Yeah. Uh, Batwoman had moments. I'm not like not a that didn't actually involve Batwoman. Yes, all like a lot of the ones that didn't involve Batwoman. Like I loved the city of Chicago as a character in Batwoman. I loved Alice and Hush and uh, Mouse uh, and um, Luke and Mary. And there were there were a lot of great characters. Uh, just not Batwoman. Okay. Mo, worst show of the season. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be Supergirl. I mean, like, um, yeah, Dan, you summed it up very well. I mean, I feel like from Jump, the show didn't have much of a plan, or at least 
to me, it didn't feel like it had an engaging story arc pre-crisis. Right. It didn't. It didn't. And post-crisis, it's like for, for Supergirl, so where Arrow and The Flash were revving up the crisis, Batwoman was just trying to find its its footing. Black Lightning was 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 just chugging along doing what it was normally doing. Supergirl it just felt like it felt it spent those first few those pre-crisis episodes just going nowhere. The virtual reality storyline went nowhere. The aliens who were the immortal aliens um they should have been that should have been wrapped up before crisis. There was no reason to make them the season long villains post crisis. It was like, okay, so you got virtual reality, Lex Luthor just starting to eat the show. Um, you've got <laughs> all the problems with the Supergirl supporting cast. It feels like they couldn't really, they knew that they had to utilize it. was like, Okay, well, you're contracted for X number of episodes. We've got to fit you in, and it doesn't really necessarily work. Um, I, I, one of my favorite episodes of the season, I think, was the Nia Nal episode, where um, that was a really good episode. And I, I think that um, if you want to cut down on some of the super friends, you definitely need to keep Dreamer around. Um, I feel as if. Um, the Alex stuff, you know, with, with Alex, um, Let's just it call was it like, is. Alex is the new Jimmy. Yeah. And yeah. that's sad. I mean, that was kind of sad. I mean, like, so she's hanging around, you know, she's like, woe is me. And then I want to hang out with the Martian Manhunter who looks like he's wearing like some sort of He-Man reject costume for two thirds of the season. That body, that, that body chest plate he was where that was ridiculous um it it just i mean if it, it kind of felt like that abbreviated season finale kind of tried to bring the pieces together um but it no, just li- listen supergirl had so many problems this last season they do not get a pass because of covid there's no way that you could bring that season together and wrap it up Period. Well, yeah. I mean, I was I was trying to give them out. I mean, and then and then and then the, the what I feel is probably one of the grievous mistakes that this sh- this show made this season was how they treated the Lena Luther Car dynamic. Now that when the two of them had were sparring at the beginning, and 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 Lena was feeling like um, betrayed, rightfully so, and it seemed like they they had worked that out. Right. Then it seems like when the post crisis reset, well, we reset it back to how it was at the beginning of the season, and it just doesn't make sense. Plus, they're trying to they're trying to make William and Kara a thing, which doesn't work. They have no chemistry. The chemistry is Kara and Lena. It, it's it was very frustrating. Mel, William is cardboard. Mel, <laughs> yeah. Who do you have as worst show of the season? So this one kind of hurts my heart because I've been going up for this show, but Lord, this season, it is manifest. Oh, (laughs) y'all. 
it kind of really went off the rails this season. I mean, we have our main characters. They're still trying to figure out what happened to them on the plane. There's been a lot of the same, you know, find someone who was on the plane next to you or who was sitting in the back, solve their problem, get the callings on and so forth. But this season, it's like they're kind of running out of ideas and you can tell Because now I'm like, okay, so we killed someone last season. We brought them back this season, but they didn't really serve a purpose in coming back. And then you have the character of Michaela, who I don't even begin to understand anymore. She married someone who was on the plane with her instead of marrying her fiancé. And this guy had, like... I think he actually died this season and came back. Like, I don't even, uh, it's just a lot. And I'm, I don't even know why I'm watching anymore. I really think I just want to see what actually happened to the plane and, and if it will all come together at some point. But it was a lot to just get through this season. Uh, my pick is Vagrant Queen um, on sci fi. Um, it's already been canceled. So that probably tells you a little bit of something. I can't. I just can't, a.k.a. I took it off my DVR. For everything that Dan and Mo have said about Supergirl, I took Supergirl off my DVR earlier at midseason just because it had gotten so bad. I checked back in momentarily after Crisis to see what would happen. Brainiac had one good episode, and then it went to shit again. Um... So that was mine, Supergirl. Uh, Mel, what'd you have? Batwoman. I I can't believe y'all actually stuck with that show because I gave it maybe four episodes and I was like, no, there's better television out here. I got better things to do with my time than to watch this baby and I know where she is and try to lead a show. Alice was so compelling. Mo? She's great. Uh, I gotta go with Vagrant Queen for sci-fi. I mean, (laughs) I just can't. I couldn't. Okay. And now it's gone. Dan? American Gods on Stars. I I mean, between how dull it got on screen and then the drama off the screen, I just I I couldn't do it. And I love that book. I love the book so much, but I couldn't keep going. Best uh, show of the season, Mel. We make the rules up as we go along this is my only tie um i have watchmen on hbo and the mandalorian these shows absolutely blew me away and they're both short seasons i think mandalorian was eight and watchmen was what 10 or 11 it's not a lot but what they did in that short time frame was nothing short of amazing i just for everything Mo was talking about with Watchmen of the way they would handle generational trauma, the way they handled all of their superheroes, the way they handled time, because time was not necessarily linear on this show. It was all done fantastically. And I just, oh gosh, that's a great show. The Mandalorian was another one where, you know, it's the Star Wars universe. There's a ton to work with and they took this little piece and they made it amazing. And they made a character that is supposed to be cutthroat that is supposed to be lethal and they gave him a heart and they kind of gave him this makeshift family with a little kid in tow baby yoda absolutely fantastic cannot wait for another season in october best new shows watchmen mandalorian mo 
for me, the best show was a returning show, and this is actually a show that ended um, earlier in 2020, and it was, uh, and it's a shocker, it's BoJack Horseman on Netflix. Um, And BoJack Horseman was better than The Mandalorian or the... uh, He didn't stutter. You heard what he said. I said it hit. No, no, no. I gave Watchmen best show because that was the best new show. Matt, by definition, best show of the season for me is that's an older show. That is a returning show. See, I feel. uh, See, that's okay. I get it. I get it. So, So okay. with, With BoJack, we and again, I thought Arrow had a great season. I thought the Magicians had, had the second half of the final season was good. But for me, the whole sum of, of the season mattered. When the final season of BoJack, it is BoJack at his lowest. You know, we're talking about very timely issues like cancel culture and Me Too and, and so forth. And it's in an animated setting. So we have an anthropomorphized horse who's having to deal with the consequences of being an asshole of a man and just using his power uh, to manipulate women. And it's all coming back. And I just couldn't stop watching the episodes when they dropped. I actually did take a small break because it was a little emotionally overwhelming. But it builds up to this crescendo and you think Bojack is going to kill himself in order to escape it all, but he doesn't. He has to live the consequences of his, of, of his actions. And that's what I liked about it was the fact that you're telling these real world and timely stories through the lens of animation. Um, it, it was a very solid ending to, to a season, but it, it just does. I, as much as I like Bojack, you know, I have to say, Oliver Queen, you know, always have a special place in my heart. Dan? Speaking of the special place Oliver Queen has in one's heart, I got to go with Arrow. You you knew I was going to go with Arrow. What is, like, what is this? Uh, but yeah, no, Arrow was super good this year. I've already talked about it a bunch. Um, I, there's really nothing left to say uh, other than it's a single season that you could rewatch and that unto itself makes it the best show of the season. So when I pick, when I have the two categories, best new show of the season versus best show of the season, best new show, just the for me that the requirement is because we all interpret these our own way. Best new show is any show that it's an opportunity to give a shout out to a new show that might not otherwise get kudos um, because it may not be able to compete against existing shows. Like for example, when game of Thrones was at its peak in seasons five, six and seven, or well, at least six for sure. But, and it just dominated everything and it was an existing show. I was like, I need to give out some credit to someone else. So best new show. So this year, both best new show and best show of the season are brand new shows. But for me, the show that is preeminent of all television from September through May, early May is the Mandalorian. It was flawless. It like from the soundtrack to the cinematography to baby Yoda becoming a phenomena to every little moment that like, every little detail was 
just perfect. And th- for me, as someone who, since I was in grade school, have heard Luke, I am your father with like heavy breathing sounds from com- sometimes complete strangers, which can get a little creepy sometimes. Um, I've always preferred Star Trek over Star Wars, but there was something about this part of the Star Wars franchise, the more like Western element to it that connected for me. And I thought it was amazing. So my best show of the season is the Mandalorian, which brings us to the forever Barry and Iris award, also known as best couple of the season. Mel, who did you pick? Um, Mando and Baby Yoda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I didn't go the romantic route here because for me, they were the best duo of the season. I mean, as I talked about earlier, the Mandalorian is supposed to be a killer. You know, there are no feelings. There's no questions. We're not talking. It's on sight. Okay. Death. And for him to take on this child you know, character and protect him and guard him with literally his life. It was so cute. I mean, he becomes a dad. How can you not love it? Dan, who did you have as best couple of the TV season? Oh, you're going to get mad at me, Luke Kerr. Uh, I, I loved the organic chemistry and developed relationship of new Zari and John Constantine on legends of tomorrow. And I can't explain it. Do you know how much side it's, I am giving you right now? I, I, I can't explain it. Can you feel the I, side I, eye from Arizona to Missouri? I just like it. Like with her being like this, like socialite character. I love socialite. Sorry, him, don't get me wrong. I lo- she was one of the few bright spots on Legend this last season. But I so I do appreciate that. And John Constantine, who is so just cynical about everything, she got him to open up. He taught her, like, I I guess, you know, planning out a situation a little bit more. Um, but also they trusted each other and they had each other's backs. And then they had crazy hot sex all over the place. And it was, it was such like a weird dynamic on a show where I wasn't rooting for Sarah and Ava because I didn't like Ava and no one like Ray and Nora, you know, I just like Ray, like what, what are we doing? Um, for a show that has so many couples on it, but so few of them work. are, yeah, just work. This one seems to work, and I like how casual it is, and I hope they continue, and I hope we get to see more of them on and off throughout the next season. Mo, best couple of the season. So I actually have a tie. Um, Let don't the shoot record me, show that I only had one tie amongst two episodes of Best and Worst, and Mo had multiples. Keep going. Hey, oh, hey uh-uh, Luke, let me. No, sir. Yeah. Not after fifty-seven years of you having ties all up and down these lists. No, sir. 
I have I just want better in my old age. <laughs> I, I just want the record to show that I'm the only one on this podcast who did not have any ties. Dan gets a cookie. Well, <laughs> Dan, you're you're just you're just uh doing some butt kissing after that uh Zari Constantine pick. Actually, Zari and Constantine isn't that bad. It's just that I as a couple, I don't mind them because I like each of the characters individually. I just Legends of Tomorrow is rapidly approaching Supergirl status for me, and I'm very conflicted about that because there's a lot of characters on that show who I love individually. I love Sarah, I love Constantine, I like Socialite Zari, and all of a sudden I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, Mick. Uh, pardon? Mick. And I love Mick. And I love all of them individually. I love it when those characters are interacting with each other, but they send them all off in other directions. Sarah's been sidelined. Mick has been sidelined. Constantine still gets good airtime, but more normally he's like fixing messes of other people. It's just disappointing, but I digress. This is Moe's pick for his tie. Who do you have? Well, couple one, which isn't really a couple. Um, I will I will say it's from Star Star Trek Picard. It is Jean Luc Picard oh, and fuck. Data. How did I forget Star Trek Picard? I feel so and bad. Literally, in terms of a couple, it is you know the non-romantic ride or die couple. Literally, in which one of the characters in this pairing, Data died for Picard, and then Picard spends the first season of this show trying to save Data's daughters after failing miserably initially. He ends up saving the, the daughter, who in turn ends up helping to save him. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of symmetry there. It Again, it continues that relationship that started in Star Trek Next Generation, which you know, it was 30 years ago at this point in terms of a traditional couple, you know, no other couple this season. They stole the West Allen Award. They stole the Olicity Award. And that has to be from Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan, a.k.a. Cal Abar and his wife, Sister Knight, Angela Abar. You talking about a couple that was hot? Mel, Mel will tell you about some of them seas. She gonna testify. When I tell but you me... I was living my best life, yes. Not just for okay, sex scenes were hot. Let me tell you, but in terms of a love story, a tragic love story, he is this man, Doctor Manhattan. Okay, he isn't really a man. Okay. He takes on the form of this black man in order to fall in love because he, he, he wants to swoon Angela. But he tells her they only have a short time together. And then when he, his time is up, you know, what does he do? He sacrifices himself to save her, but he gives her a gift. And that's the cliffhanger of the season. Did Dr. Manhattan give Angela his powers or not? We don't know. If there's a second season of Watchmen, maybe we'll find out. So we need to go back in time because since I completely blank, like I went to CBS.com and I was like, 
CBS never has sci-fi shows on it. And I was trying to like trigger my memory. I can't believe that I forgot about Star Trek Picard. So the Mandalorian and Star Trek Picard, I now have a tie for best show of the season. So I had two ties just like Mo. Um, but my forever Barry and Iris award, um, otherwise known as best couple of the season goes to Geralt and Yennefer on Witcher. They are, were such an unconventional couple that, and even though their journey and their story is nowhere near over, I got so much enjoyment out of their few encounters and how in those few, like, not necessarily scenes, because they were longer than scenes, but, like, the way that the that Witcher is set up in terms of its complicated initial first four episode timeline issues and all that other stuff it didn't give the two characters a lot of time to be together but when they were the witcher capitalized on it and you couldn't take your eyes away couldn't also take your eyes away when henry cavill was shirtless in a bathtub either but i mean that's beside the point gerald and or gerald and yennefer are my pair for best couple of the TV season. So that wraps up the two part best and worst of the 2019-2020 TV season. Considering COVID is raging and we'll probably be doing a lot of TV watching, maybe we'll have to do a best and worst of summer TV and it will just be no holes barred. It'll be like catching up on Doom Patrol, and then we'll have Lost in Space for those of us who aren't ca caught up, and then there'll be Stargirl, and let's see, what else is there that's coming out, or has been out recently, that we could catch up on over the summer, because no new television is actually premiering, well, not premiering, but being in production. So maybe we'll do a best and worst of summer streaming. Ooh, that's a good idea. Best and worst of summer streaming, which technically Stargirl can qualify for because she premiered on the DC Universe HBO or the DC Universe app, even though most of us watched it on the CW. I like that idea. At the end of August, we can record a best and worst of streaming TV, summer streaming TV. That's a good one. If I do say so myself, as always, Mel, thank you for joining me. Mo. Thank you. And Dan, thank you as well. You can find Dan at Real Dan Pierce on Twitter. Mo is at Dr. Mo77. Mel is at Melody Akles. And I'm at Luke underscore Kerr. You can find the GK, uh, the Geek Confidential Twitter at GK Confidential. And you can find us on Facebook at GK Confidential. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. See ya. Don't sleep on Doom Patrol, y'all. <laughs> Bye, y'all.